0: Hi, my name is Cesar Cavazos, and welcome to Friction Log. I am joined by my co-host, Rick Blalock, and we are here to bring you the best insights of UX, developer experience, and how we experiment with the extraction of joy, struggles, and other emotions when using technologies. Let's get started. How's the weather in Florida this week?
1: Hot and humid, (laughs) as it is all summer. That's not um, bad. Yeah, we just got back from Georgia, though, where in the mountains of Georgia, where it was very nice, very pleasant. What was the high on the mountains? I think the highs were in the low 80s, but, you know, there's no humidity, and the air super clean, so it's it doesn't feel hot at all. It's really nice. That's
0: good. We are going to have a heat wave this weekend, and supposedly it's going
1: to be like 104. What? One hundred and four sounds like Texas or something
0: except that this is dry heat, where Texas will be humid, so i I, I can manage dry heat at that level i'm going to stay inside, but anyhow, welcome to a new episode of friction lock today we 're going to do another study on one of the tools in the series of building the friction lock website, so we started with um Tailwind CSS, then we did Purcell for deployment. Now we're doing Next.js, which is what's powering our website. And we're going to continue all the way to at least one more episode. But if you haven't checked out the previous ones, you should definitely do it. Episode two and three. Today is episode four. A few things we want to cover before we get started with Next.js. Send us feedback. Any recommendations that you have... Good feedback, good comments, bad comments, anything you want to tell us, send it to podcast at frictionlog.com. You can also rate the podcast in your favorite app, Apple or Spotify, and leave us a review. That will really help with the ratings. And we're trying to build a community here. So part of the community is you telling us what do you want to see, if you have any particular tools that you want us to do a study We are taking recommendations. And last but not least, uh, we want to thank Chris Coyier. He wrote a little blog post on CSS Tricks around Friction Log and how he has been familiar with the term. So um, we're going to put the link in the show notes. Be sure to check it out and check out the CSS Tricks website. So thank you to Chris Coyier there. All right. Are we ready, Rick? Yeah, we're ready. Awesome. All right. Next.js yes. for this episode, we are going to interview Rick Blaylock again. He was in charge of starting the uh, coding part of the website with Next.js, yes. and you know, Rick, he has been in every episode since the beginning. He's the co-host, uh, so he has <laughs> <laughs> he has experience on web development for a few years any like one minute persona description that you want to say what was what you were thinking when you start doing this next js what drove you to uh, look into this technology for powering our website
1: well yeah i mean just from the sheer community size and everybody talking about it on twitter and seeing it everywhere I mean, that was I've always been eyeing it. I'm like, oh, hey, this looks really cool. I want to use this one day. But I've never got to use it. So what drove me, same thing kind of with Tailwind too. It's like, oh, I always want to use this, but I, I never had an opportunity to. So Next.js, it was perfect for what we were trying to build, which is good. You know, I, I I had built a, a static site other than one using Gatsby. Um, so this was kind of the second site, building a static site, and so it was kind of nice to be able to compare between Next.js and Gatsby, too. Great. That's
0: good to know. Um I have a little bit of experience with Gatsby as well. Uh Not a blog, but, well, I used the, the blog template starter, so it was... As I have seen the code, it is interesting to see those differences. And that's why we are doing this, to experiment with new things, especially with the ones that we cannot play on our daily lives and to bring you some, um, not recommendations, I would say, but some experiences about it. So Rick, with that in context, tell us a little bit, who do you think this is the target of
1: this product? So it's interesting. I mean, clearly it's React developers. It's an abstraction on top of React, a framework or whatever um, on top of React. But it, it's interesting. I, I guess you could say, well, if you want want to build server side rendered apps, historically they'd be like, oh yeah, use Next.js. Or you want to build static site, you know, they'd say something like, use Gatsby or use Next.js. But really, it you can kind of do any kind of single page app with Next.js too. Because you can make, you know, calls inside your React component like you would, you know, if you created a Create React app. So in general, React developers and then the use cases are funny because it's kind of like almost any use case. There's probably some that maybe it doesn't shine as well in, but yeah, it it, it kind of feels like most use cases um, for React developers.
0: Okay. And these developers, these React developers, uh, I'm sure a lot of them have tried them out. What about other JavaScript developers? So Angular developers or Vue.js developers, is this a good framework from your perspective to jump in to the React uh, world? Or do you think they should probably go with the uh, create React uh, startup mm-hmm. and, and move so, from there?
1: So if you're coming from Angular Vue and you're wanting to build React, so that's interesting. Next.js makes it a little easier because they, they have a really specific way they route things, like they have a pages folder and then you put things in pages that represent, you know, forward slash blog post or forward slash, you know, my thing or whatever. And the same thing with their serverless functions, you drop things into the API folder. So I guess from that perspective, it is a little easier because it kind of gives you that structure. And in fact, actually, especially true with Angular, because Angular uh, developers are used to everything being built out for them. Like it's a whole framework that has an HTTP library. And you just follow the Angular conventions, whereas React, the common shocker with developers that come from Angular and React, is like, wait, I got to install all these other packages? So, you know, Next comes up with a, a router and some conventions and stuff like that. So it might be a little easier um, for an Angular developer just because they don't have to figure out what the some of those patterns are, you know.
0: In React, the convention is that there are no conventions and you can do whatever <laughs> you want.
1: Exactly. I mean, the the only convention is reactive programming, but how you get to that point is totally up to you. that's great
0: okay so there you go angular developers view developers i think they're they're closer to react than to angular but it is a good framework to start with and and i agree with you solving that routing layer but still you can understand it and tweak it simpler than in my personal experience angular routing it is a good a good way to go so if you're looking to dip your toes on The React world, Next.js is a good idea, and you can build anything, static sites, dynamic sites, server-side rendering, as Rick was saying, or single-page applications as well. Okay, great. So we talked a little bit about you, Rick, a little bit of the experience. This is the first time or the second time that you're doing a static site and the first time using Next.js. You come from from the background of JavaScript and there is Vercel support, which is the technology that we were talking on the previous episode and that we wanted to try it out for the website. So that also helped with the decision. Any other specific points that you want to make on that integration between Vercel and NextJS?
1: Yeah, you know it's interesting. You know, Next.js is its own open source framework. You can use it anywhere. You don't have to use it with with Vercel, but you can definitely see the influence and the the tight coupling that you get. Like if you use Next.js with Vercel, everything just kind of works out of the box. It knows Vercel knows how to manage this static generation of stuff really well. The serverless side is, uh, of of the whole thing just works. Without having to think of anything, it's it's so easy to spin up some of the stuff. So it, it's definitely advantageous to have both of those together. I, I suppose some people would complain, like, "Oh, you know, this this, this VC funded company has this open source project, and what's going to happen to it when they get bought out or they disappear or what?" But Next.js has such a huge community that I'm just not worried about it. Whereas some open source projects, that would be.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely something to look at when you're when you're choosing a technology, especially for the long run. Interesting. Okay, and since then, uh, they we're talking about this is when we started the website. Now it has passed some time. I want to say a few weeks, a couple of months. What other experience have you gained with Next.js?
1: So. A couple of things. I mean, the, the community is is really awesome working with them. It it was it's really interesting also on the Vercel side. I actually sent in a couple of Vercel support tickets because I thought it was something that was on their side and how they how they were handing handling some of the cash and stuff. And um it ended up being kind of both Vercel and an Next.js issue, but it's kinda of nice again that there's this marriage between the two so you can Talk to the company about either one of those, and and they provide pretty good support too, from what I've seen. So that that's awesome, and um, I've already built a couple other sites on it now. I, since I did this friction log, I've yeah I've I've done two other sites. In fact, Fish Rules, the the other company I own, we're redoing the web app, and it's all going to be done in Next.js, and it's kind of cool because like so Fish Rules is an app for fishing regulations, so an angler we get their location, their latitude and longitude, and then we load in the regulations that apply to that area. So like, hey, you can catch gag grouper, but you can only catch two of them. And if if you're on a vessel with five people, then you're going to catch this many and all those crazy regulations that that fishermen have to um, worry about. So what's cool is with Next.js, it lets me dynamically get those regulations based on a user's location, but then the actual regulation detail page is static because the regulation changes, you know, every few months. So I can pre-render or, or generate all of those, you know, a couple thousand regulation pages with Next.js, you know, statically. But then the some of the pages, they need to be dynamic. I have to get latitude and longitude and do like a point and polygon algorithm to figure out which ba- boundaries are in. And, and so I can do that all. Dynamically too, so it, it's kind of cool that I can mix and match them. That's that's been my my delight, if you will, with Next.js is uh, is being able to kind of mix and match the the different concepts, which is really cool.
0: That's great. We're we're getting into into our next uh, section, which is general comments, and I'm interesting a little bit in that. So you're combining the static site generation for information pages of the rules uh, and regulations. And you also take into account some pages where the user is giving some input even uh, intentionally or just letting you use their current location. And then you're combining those. And I'm sure the performance is way better than than going with one or the other. Well, you cannot go with static site on everything, but I'm sure that the performance is getting better, right?
1: Oh, yeah. It's ridiculous. Like, (laughs) it's so fast. So the, on the dynamic portion, I'm using the, the Next.js yes, or Vercel, how they have the API folder and it spins up the serverless functions. So that's the one that does like the point and polygon algorithm and stuff like that. But then the, when you click on an actual like species like Greater Amberjack to go to the regulation page, it's instant. It's so crazy fast because it's all, you know, pre-generated, obviously. It's very impressive.
0: Good, good. Glad to hear that we're gonna have a good good experience and good friction logs or logs in general. Okay, why don't we get it started? I think uh we like with the we like to start with the positive ones, which are the delights. Why don't we go through some of those? Tell me a little bit about your delights.
1: Yeah, you know it's funny. One of the things that really stood out to me was The tutorials, the tutorials are very straightforward. They're beautiful. They're so clean on the website. Introduced me to the right concepts at the right time. It was easy to kind of navigate around discover. um, There's like that discoverability aspect where you're like, I know what I want to do. How do I do that? So that that was really well done. And it's funny, I can't actually put my finger on exactly what is... like attractive about the tutorials. There's like all these, besides what I just mentioned, there's there's just something about it where it's like, wow, I I feel like I haven't seen a tutorial like this, even though I know I have. There was just something when I was going through it that was pleasant. And I even put in my notes, I can't put my finger on it, but there's something special about this tutorial. <laughs> and I still don't know quite what it is.
0: <laughs> it's like, yeah, when you're looking for something very specific to your taste and you know that you found it but you don't really know why you like it so much Mm -hmm. that is one of the things and I think tutorials are those components of every framework and every library that need to be paid much more attention than they typically are now this is not the case for Next.js and even Vercel when we were talking about and even Tailwind CSS so we're We know we're going for popular tools, and they're popular for a reason. And part of that reason is that the tutorials are are not documentation pages, although there is a little bit of that, but just enough to get you engaged, but they're not bombarding you with all this information. And it it is a pattern that, that we are seeing in every tool that we have picked in this stack and that is something that, if you and I are doing it, then that means that a lot of people is doing it in the community, right? So it is quite a delight, I would say, and I'm happy to hear that. Okay, uh, that's a good yeah. delight. The tutorials. Anything else that you wanna you wanna talk yeah, about? The,
1: there's another one that I wrote down in the log. And I put it, the title was The Feeling of Small Complexity. There's actually a UX name for that. I just, I can't think of what it is off the top of my head. But when you're using Next.js for static content and for SSR, server-side rendering, and just general React, for whatever reason, to me anyway, it feels a lot less complicated than something like Gatsby. And uh, you know, I I know some people are going to come out of the woodwork and go, well, Gatsby can do all this stuff too. But there's there, I don't know. There's something simple about it, even though it 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 does so much and it's so elegant in how it does it. It just doesn't feel complicated, even with all the stuff that it's doing. I actually migrated a site a buddy of mine has. Um, I migrated it off of Gatsby and onto Next.js just because it just it feels less complex to me. And you know, I don't know if that's partly because of the GraphQL part of it. When I don't need GraphQL for some things, I, I don't know. I, I'm I'm not quite sure. Although we're using GraphQL on on Next or on uh, Friction Log, aren't we? So that, yeah. that's not it. <laughs> um. So I, I don't know quite what it is, but it just feels more complex, whereas Next doesn't. And there's that that feeling of small complexity, and that I'm coming from a known thing, React, and I'm going to an unknown thing, Next JS, and then I instantly feel comfortable where I'm at. That's that's kind of part of Jacob's law. I'm kind of parlaying the dev experience to Jacob's law. Jacob's law is, you know, users spend time on all these different sites. So when they come to your site, they expect your site to work like everybody else's site. And that's the same thing with tools and with apps and stuff like that. It's like there's a UX with the iOS design language. And, you know, if, if your app doesn't work like all the other apps, then users get mad. So it, it, if I can parlay that into developer experience, It feels the same way. I can move from React to Next.js. I'm very comfortable with it. But on top of that, it doesn't feel as complex as some of the other tools in the ecosystem. So that was a delight.
0: That is great. And yeah, as you were talking about Jacob's Law, that is why a good example for that is the Google Apps in iOS. They use a lot of the design language and the experience, the UX of Android and they put it on iOS, and it's not a bad experience, but you can tell it's different, and everybody knows that, and even people that are not like us developers and that look into that, that stuff, I have had comments with relatives and friends that they say, it just feels a little bit different. It feels better to use the Mail app or any other Mail app than the Gmail app just because it brings a whole other a set of principles into an ecosystem and you have an expectation for that. So the same happens with developer tools. And I agree. I think there is the complexity on Next.js is at least the introduction is is close to nothing. So it, it becomes very simple. And I don't know how much the branding and how much the wording matters on that. I'm sure it is a lot. And as we go through these studies, we, we can always come around and, and go deeper into that. But also there are brands, there are colors on the tools that are familiar in the ecosystem, in the community that just make them feel better and more natural. It's the tool, it's the tutorial, it is the branding, the colors, too many things. And that is <laughs> what we can capture as I don't know what it is, but I like it better or I like it. I I think it's easy. Right. Interesting. Okay. So you were talking about Jacob's law. Would you you consider that a polar principle, like a principle of least astonishment of this, it just works the way that any other React framework or any other uh, developer tool related to React will behave?
1: Yeah, that's a good point. That does fit in with the Pola principle of least astonishment. That that's a good point. It does fit in with that because it's I wasn't really surprised by anything, which in a good way, right? That's what you want. You don't want people to be surprised. What? Why does it work this way? What? What in the world is this? I never had any of those uh moments when I was working through NextJS, yes, which is good. <laughs> that's
0: good. That's good. That's good. That's good. Any frictions or blockers that you have experienced?
1: Let me let me go open my notes here. Yeah, so the one the first one was documentation search. Um, the doc search doesn't always work. Like I I knew that there was Tailwind stuff in it because I saw it at some point, and I'm like ah, let me go find it. And I entered it in the search, and it just did not come up at all. I actually went to Google, searched it, and then it took me to the Next.js docs where I was looking for. <laughs> so I, I'm not sure. I mean, let me go open up Next.js. What do they uh, what do they use? They don't use um. Uh, Algolia, do they? I guess you can't tell, can you? I don't think you can tell. You know, it's funny though, right now it pulls it up. I just noticed, okay, so now I have two different things on their search for this. So hmm, maybe it just wasn't working when I was using it. I don't know. That's weird.
0: Yeah, maybe they change it. It has happened a few weeks and these tools are improving every day. So that's Mm -hmm. good to know. It was a friction. It's not anymore... And then when you were talking about mm-hmm. Tailwind, I, I think you also put another log related to some issues with Tailwind. Uh you wanna yeah. you wanna talk a little bit about it?
1: I I can't remember exactly the setup issue I had, but there was some little it's on the video, the the friction log video when I was doing it, but there was something I was doing where it was um it was a little snag. I think it was pretty uh pretty simple fix, if I remember correctly, but it wasn't clear out of the gate, so that's the yeah you know, again with a friction log, you log any kind of friction, even it's the smallest little thing and so it was a little hump, yeah, so that that's it for for the the tailwind thing it was pretty pretty minor another one, and this is a more pervasive one, and I think it's a problem with just the framework and then also just the nature of static side generation. I ran into this weird behavior where props were it was the framework is telling me that my props being passed to this component were undefined. And so I'm like, ah, oh, what's going on? And so I'm looking at like the get static props function to see like where I'm getting the, the data for the static generation. And I'm jumping over like, Oh, the props are right. What, what's going on? And dropping in console logs to see if that, that helps. And, and the actual problem was actually an undefined component. And so, it was my my VS Code was actually telling me it was undefined component, and I should have noticed that. But the error in XGS was like, "Hey, your props are undefined," which is completely unrelated. Yeah. And so a lot of I've noticed that with Next JS, yes, there's a lot of errors that are masked by an actual mistake, and that happens several times. And so that that's definitely a friction.
0: <laughs> I think I have seen that before, and yes, it is. Uh, well, as as you were saying on on my previous friction, like. A few moments ago, you said, well, looking back, it was really simple. Yeah, all issues are simple once you have resolved them, but at the moment, they are complicated.
1: Right, yeah, exactly. I mean, isn't that always the case, like the worst bugs that take you an hour to debug and it's like a one-line fix? That's just how it works, (laughs) always. In,
0: In every aspect, like you're driving and everybody that it is going faster than you is crazy. And everybody that it is is lower than you. They don't know mm-hmm. how to drive. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's all about perspective on where you are. Yeah. Okay, good, good, good. I think one of the things that I want to mention here is the speed of the static side generation. That uh, gives us a good response on a website, which is something that you want to make sure that you comply with the Doherty threshold UX principle, one of the laws of UX. UX laws. What is the Doherty principle? Hey, Rick, I want to ask you a question. In this episode, we're mentioning the speed of Next.js and the Doherty threshold and Doherty principle. How do you describe it? How do you... Um, how do you tell us what it is?
1: Yeah, Doherty Threshold was actually a paper published by IBM Systems back in 1982, the year I was born. Ooh. And uh, that paper, it was a research paper, kind of set the requirement, the new requirement that, hey, if systems aren't around 400 milliseconds in response time, then you know, users' attention and productivity suffers from it. So. That paper found that like 400 milliseconds was the sweet spot for productivity. And they have all this, uh, we'll put some links into the podcast, I'm sure. But they have all this research on like, hey, if it's this much time, this is, you're saving this much money a year? And they kind of went through a bunch of um, research to, to kind of prove that out. But specifically for applications and you know for us, for developer experience, the Doherty principle is the same thing it's not necessarily 400 milliseconds there's some debate now on like is that really what it is but if you if you read the paper the actual paper the the principle is your response times if they're crazy high or even if they're marginally high it greatly impacts a user's productivity so keeping that down to as you know as small as possible really helps with user productivity
0: every application that I our newspaper online or e-magazine that loads a ton of ads breaks this principle in a majestic way where it (laughs) takes like 10 (laughs) seconds to load so please fix that for me that's all I ask if you happen to work on that I know you need ads to survive but just try to keep it under
1: like a second maybe (laughs) so okay but they don't they don't want you to be uh, they don't want you to be productive though right and that's that's the thing it's like if you're building an application or productivity application we want you to be productive but if, if you're a website where they want your eyes on it for 10 seconds 20 seconds then hey who cares
0: <laughs> True. and they also put ads in between paragraphs which I dislike uh, so much but yes, okay yes. so we can t- uh, we can thank Walter J. Doherty in 1982 that's a long time ago you're all but not this is <laughs> this is good <laughs> this is good and it's good that it still applies so it's something that um, us you as developers should focus on and make sure that those websites and those mobile applications are fast enough and note that this is not like oh 400 milliseconds between or each layer on my stack. No, no, no. This is the round trip. Just think about that end user. Thank you, Rick. Thank you. I think it's something that you appreciate a lot. And I want to hear a little bit about it. In this case, like how do you like the friction log website and how, or, or fish rules and how it responds fast. Can you, can you explain a little bit that more?
1: Yeah. So well, I'll talk about fish rules specifically. So w- the nice thing about fish rules is, you know, you're on your phone um, out on a boat somewhere and you pull it up on the website. If you don't have the mobile app installed, it's really fast. And, and for those who are trying to go to check it out right now, it's not live yet. This is a web app we're working on. <laughs> and and being really fast is important. So the use case in fish rules is you're on a boat, you pulled a fish up in the ocean somewhere, and you have seconds to figure out, hey, am I allowed to keep this? And if you're not, you need to throw it back. And you have to figure that out really fast because you don't want to kill the fish unnecessarily and all that kind of stuff. So um, it's really important for those regulations to show up fast. If someone's like, oh, I didn't mean to catch this fish. What's the regulations on it? They they can go to the website. They can find it really quick. and I mean, I swear to you, it's like less than 200 milliseconds that this thing opens up. It's ridiculous.
0: It's a combination of factors, right? So you have your static generated pages for each of the regulations, and then right. you're also taking advantage of the CDN via Vercel, and now you have that, that combo. Not only the site is already there or the web page is already there, but it's also close to you. And close to your phone. So I assume that the signal in in the middle of the ocean is not the best.
1: Right, right. Yeah, exactly. And then for the friction log website, like you know, we, we built it that was the first site that you and I both have worked on with Next.js, yes, as far as I know anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's great. It's fast. I think it actually could be faster. We could make it better. I was looking over some stuff. And then also with the new release in NextJS yes, last week or two weeks ago they have like the revalidation so you can now say on a static page hey go revalidate this every few seconds or every few minutes you can set up some kind of threshold which is nice because then that means we can uh we can do that with graph cms so we don't have to like do the whole webhook thing to update and to tell to rebuild we can just have it revalidate and get the latest pages which is nice
0: yeah, I think we're going to have a follow-up, a quick episode or mini episode where we do a follow-up on a technology that we have already proven. And it's going to be updating Next.js to the latest version because that's something that we can't really use. We publish the content on GraphCMS, mm-hmm. which is coming up in a new episode soon. And we it, it's one of the frictions that we had. At some point, our stack became necessary to rebuild the site because we were making content changes
1: right yeah yeah so i think we can even make it faster but it is very nice to be able to go through these types of sites and it's just blazing fast it's great
0: great great i think we have gone through most of the logs register any comments or anything related to what Next.js is not good for. Is there any use case that you want to mention for that? It's okay if you don't, but it's always a
1: a good question to ask. Man, that is interesting. You know, I guess because it's opinionated, hmm, like enterprise-type apps, certain ones maybe, or or maybe like real-time-type apps, man, I don't know. It's hard for me to say. I think it's just if, if the, if the team or the organization organization you're with, isn't bought into the next GS way of doing things, then maybe that's not a good fit. You could do it kind of vanilla react and, you know, build your own Ferrari. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's interesting. I'd have to think about it more, but I, I, again, back to what we were saying earlier, you can kind of do everything you need to do with a react app in it. Um,
0: it becomes a matter of who's going to maintain it, right? It's for day two or the longer term where a small yeah. team in an enterprise decides to go with this and then that team disappears or they move to other things and there is just one actually has uh, website out there or a couple and nobody knows how to maintain it and the liabilities and that, but... I, I think that applies to pretty much any tool or any framework that it is one opinionated and too popular on open source, and I guess the enterprises are evolving to adapt to these kind of things, and we should see more of the, like more of these tools getting into enterprises. But at the same time, it all depends within the team. So it's more the people than the framework. And maybe that's not a good call for you if you only have one developer. Let's say you're a manager in an enterprise uh, development team and you only have one person doing it. And you don't even have a backup for when she or he goes on vacation. That that might be something. Uh You mentioned real time. So those event-driven yeah. applications. And they, they work well with React, but there is some complexity around that. And you might want to rethink your stack at that
1: point. But that is, I mean, it's doable, I guess. Yeah, you can it, still do it. I mean, you can treat it just like a React app. So that, that's why I am i don't even know if that's even true. Like, I don't know, maybe Electron. Maybe if you're trying to do an Electron app, maybe it's, I'd have to try it. I, I mean, it, if I mean, if you with Next.js, if you're trying to use like the serverless stuff and you're trying to use the server-side rendering and stuff, then that's not going to work for Electron anyway. So, kind of a moot point. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I I can't. I'll let you know if if I run into a time where I'm like, oh my goodness, you would never be able to use Next.js in this case, then I'll I'll let you know. Maybe we can do another podcast talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. Great. Anything else you want to close out? So I'd say if you're looking for a good starting point for a new website or a web app and you can utilize some of the the CDN of Vercel and then the the you know the static generation that Next.js gives that 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 union is pretty good. So I'd say yeah, go check it out.
0: Awesome. Well, I want to thank you very much Rick for sharing this experience. As always, the logs are available on the website. There is the whole video that it is available on YouTube. You can get the links on the website at frictionlog.com. And thank you, Rick. Thank you, Cesar. Well, that's all for today's episode of Friction Log. Thank you for listening. And make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. And visit our website, frictionlog.com. Adios, amigos.